Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Mario Brothers podcast, where we ask you, Dan, to please step aside and follow the hollow. Won't you please step aside and follow There we go. We're back. We're back. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Brother Dan. What a week we've had, Danny. The inauguration of our President Trump in the you know in America. Uh, we're getting a super tan here in Australia. The weather's finally kicking into a summer. And uh, that's a really been about it, I guess. Apart from the metal news, though. Yeah, a lot of news coming up. It's, it's good now. A bit of traction and stuff. The year people remember that they have jobs for 10 and they have like record contracts to keep so they're like oh yeah we've got to release that album we've got to get back to the recording studio so yeah so the news is starting to come in yeah the arse end of uh, january is where some of these big guys are coming to play so it gives us a lot of to choose from we might actually put up some uh, polls on the uh, facebook danny see what the fans want us to review if not we'll just ignore them like we normally do and just you know review what the hell we want i guess <laughs> yeah exactly right i mean i guess a lot of the times now these bands have a lot more time now to do like cool news stories and stuff because they're not touring australia during summer so they got other things, I guess. Oh, they if, they, if, they, if they are touring Australia, Adelaide's certainly not on their radar. But uh, then again, we do decide to buy our things at the last minute. Pretty much like Christmas shopping, really. We leave things right to the end and then get frustrated when no one comes on our Christmas party or comes in to play us gig, I guess, whatever. Yeah, it really hurts, especially with their family members. Like, hey, man, <laughs> just I bought you that surfboard last year, Uncle John. <laughs> Yeah, so tonight's episode, guys, we are talking seriously about is it right or wrong for bands to backlash their fans if they don't like their record? We're going to be talking about the latest Sepultura offering, uh, Machine Messiah. But first, any of the news? Behemoth, straight off the bat, we're going to talk to Growl. We talked about him now and then. You know, he's got the, uh, coming out with an album later this year. Two albums, in fact, I think. One with Behemoth and one with his folk, rock, uh, pop. Surfy. Um, surfy kind uh, of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He decided he wants to challenge himself as a musician. And going through his collection, he even came across uh, his favorite record store and uh, picked up a baby metal record and uh, didn't like it, did he, Danny? He wasn't a fan of baby metal. I'm really surprised. I thought he'd be cool. He's, he's always changed his image. Always wants the youth to get involved. I thought he would like that baby metal. His mm. words, not ours. Not buying this shit. If you buy it, it's your own problem. Does that have an impact on what we said about him last year? I guess not really, Danny. About baby metal, about in the ground. <laughs> um, let's go. Let's go the ladder. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, the, the ground. Oh, yeah. look, uh, that's fine. He's. I mean, look. He comes from pretty heavy backdroppings, and he has a very firm beliefs in people. And uh, I know. I guess baby metal, a mixture of uh, J-pop and metal, doesn't really fit his uh, satanic well, lifestyle. Yeah, or his or his uh, opposite surf lifestyle. Um. I don't think you'd get much surf in Nor- uh, Norway. I guess where's he from? Sorry, where's Poland? Sorry. Yeah, well you wouldn't. There yeah. any beaches in Poland? <laughs> uh, I assume about that. Uh, I guess the thing about music it kind of transports you to different locations. Mm. But um, yeah, again, like we reviewed uh, Baby Metal and we gave our thoughts of it. So we're much nicer than what Nagrad say about it. But uh, we didn't love it per se, mostly because when you see the uh, bands playing on it and there's bands literally you realize that Baby Metal is far bigger than just three girls. It's more about different production labels, different bands. So Rose, yeah. I think yeah. the guy was probably one of those guys. He's like, he's like a closet bay metal fan. Cause see how quickly he's <laughs> dismiss it. Like he's he's been practicing that reaction. It's like when I see bay metal, I react. Oh nah, bay metal. See, I'm still cool with the cool kids or the yeah. brutal heads. See, I still like it, you know, because he's obviously been like pushing away with one hand with the whole like pop record, and now he's pulling him back, saying, "No, don't worry, I still like death metal, guys. Relax, exactly. relax, guy, exactly. relax." There was one. There must have been someone of a high level to try getting bay metal to have their own TV show, and I think he's our man. 
Back problems allegedly for Stephen Adler from doing the entire Guns N' Roses reunion tour. We knew at one point something was going to happen with this tour. It never goes according to plan. In fact, the plans with Axl Rose in board never, never really work, and that's the whole charm of the band, I guess. But um, does see come from the drummer, Danny, at all? Uh, look, in the end, I don't think really people mind who plays the drums with Guns N' Roses. It's pretty much a Slash and Axl Rose thing for Guns N' Roses. So, well, I mean, it sucks. I mean... Yeah, you like people to be there, play on tour, but at the same time, I think he's only there part-time anyway. According to the story, he wasn't really the first choice or something, and he was only recontracted to play only a couple of shows. So, yeah. Uh, in the end, it is a slash actual show, and the rest, as long as they keep the egos in check, uh, it should work out, I guess. Well, you know, there's one less uh, band member there to take the light off the whole uh, spectacle, so I'd imagine this is probably going to do them a favour. However, you know, there's plenty left of the tour. They haven't come to Australia yet. Mm. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And big old down under. We'll have to wait and see with that. But uh, heading back overseas again, we'll talk about uh, Black Sabbath. And uh, they actually recalled running into uh, the president at one of their shows. He actually came with his daughter the one time. But uh, Black Sabbath really had to blow him off because they had a plane to catch. That's a good line, plane to catch. That's a pretty elaborate lie. Yeah. Well, he said they kind of blew him off. But, I mean, that's a fair... That's a fair thing. You don't want to be paying, like, you know, $300 a ticket because he wanted to hang out with... You know, at the time, it was just a business owner. He wasn't even, like, you know, running for Congress or anything. He was just, like, a guy who had a really bad TV show. And I bet you made back then, who knows? Maybe he didn't even have a TV show. Like, why would he want to hang out with him, I guess? You know? Actually, I give a bit of credit. Like, he actually took his daughter to see a Black Sabbath concert. That's actually pretty cool. I'll, I'll give credit to Trump on that one. That's yeah, actually pretty it's good cool. parenting. Like, we're all yeah. telling about these days how we can get... Last week, we talked about how people get people into metal. How about you just take your loved ones to a show? Nothing nothing better than that, you know? You score points with them, and they get to listen to decent music for once. I work retail, so unfortunately, all I hear is the same three chords played in reverse, and, you know, the kids screaming about how great the song is, and then it's like, who do I hate more, the kids, the parents, or the song? I... It's a problem that I go through every day. Yeah. It's, 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 that's why people don't work very long, I guess. <laughs> no, that's pretty much it. I reckon um, Black Sabbath miss out on a really big opportunity here because Trump was probably going to you know, invite them to play at you know, his daughter's like Sweet 16 or something. Mm. He'll probably pay him like in trillions. So, well, um, who Donald Trump did get to play at his inauguration wasn't Black Sabbath, but Three Doors Down. Now, the frontman actually got into a bit of sl- uh, problems for that because it's like, you know, what are you doing playing for a president that was democratically erected? You know, elected, sorry. You know, what you, why would you do that for? You might have been erected. I don't know how excited he was. Yeah, I get pretty excited playing live. So, <laughs> as the fans would tell you, well, now I had fans, now it's a fan. So, that creepy guy at the front row really likes our shows. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about Timmy, but uh, he's a paying customer. So, he got what he wants, I guess. He loves it when it's short today. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty short too, so there you go. Um, yeah, look, do you think it was fair? You know, at the end of the day, um, they're doing it for America. They don't really, they don't really have like an allegiance to a left or right policy. At least they didn't admit it to their um, interview. So, mm. you know, it's a, this is the thing about the present right now. It's a bit like how I see with the date that I had to take to my formal. Like, sure, it's not the person that I originally wanted, and sure, I have to do it. But at the end of the day, they're your date, they're your presidents, you just got to do it and it'll, it'll close your eyes and it'll be over before you know it. Yeah, I'm exactly right. I mean, even Three Doors Down, you know, they're still going around and they're still alive. So for them, this is like a paying gig, getting back on the market. And look, good, any publicity is good publicity. So even though you might not like them, you know their name is out there again. That's right. It's just going near the door to door. Uh, as you see, three doors. Oh my god, three doors. Horrific, man. man. Hey, oh, Amy tonight, guys. That's why they listen to the podcast. They need things that make their dad look like the funniest guy in the world. That's why they listen to our show. Yeah. Ghost. I can't believe it. This band. How you can't work out metal. 
because every time we think that all you need to do is copy the big thrash four from the 80s to get popular, then we see bands like Ghost, and they've reached number one in an active rock radio with Square Hammer. So this is a big deal. Their current single, Square Hammer, is actually charting really high in Sweden. <sighs> this is a band that dresses up as a satanic Sunday mass school with the urn, inverted crosses, corpse paint, um, hats. Literally, it's like going to church, but like if it was on fire with, you know, milk. It's like Bizarro Church. Yeah, it's Bizarro Church, right? Yeah. yeah. But they're very popular. That's why Gorgoroth haven't gone past and has paid a wink-wink visit yet. Yeah. And their music is fairly accessible. You know, you listen to it. It's not offensive or anything. It does. It's kind of a good little trend. It's got its niche in it. But they're flying. So, like, we had this idea, like, who was going to be that next big four? And it might be these guys. You know, the Ramsigns kind of had their gimmick as well, over-sexualizing. You know, there was, like, squirting jizz and through fireworks and stuff. And that works very well for them. But Ghost have found another way of doing it on an easier budget, I'd imagine. It is, man. Apart from the face paint, the rest of it is pretty cheap. Just get a couple of um, nightgowns. I think most of them have the black faces anyway or masks. There's about nothing to it, really. It's unreal. So, uh, you know... Fingers, for, we haven't worked it out. If you guys want to give us a uh, good old, um, you know, holler through the Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash bro, and uh, let us know what's going on. But uh, yeah, bottle it, sell it, I'll buy a bottle. We apparently also the number one on Billboard's mainstream rock song charts. Apparently, the first Sweden band to do that. So even bet Opeth for that mantle and all the other like melodic death bands. Yeah, see, Sweden, and here's the thing about you have to understand about Sweden is Sweden is the home of metal. We're talking Gothenburg, the one freaking city has more coming out of it than countries. I mean, you're talking like soil work, in flames, Meshuggah at the gates. So they these biggest names, household names, and they're one of the first ones to do it, right? Yeah. Well, Ada, that's it. Maybe their gimmick is a bit more accessible yeah. based on the music. Looking like evil black and white clowns. I can't work it out, man. Godspeed, you good thing, but right? To be fair, the, the leader guy's Papa, was it Emeritus, whatever, but first name's Papa, so people are like, our age, you know, just relate that to Papa Smurf, feel that connection to him. So, and they got yeah. the same hats as Papa Smurf. So you can see, man, there's a connection to the Smurfs. So it's just but, enough relatable, but just enough new. That's yeah. exactly right. I mean, instead of going blue, they went white. So that's fair enough. Well, speaking about obviously a band getting treated very well, to another band that was treated very well with the Butcher Babies. Now they were treated like gold uh, with the Megadeth uh, tour with Dave Mustaine. Um, it's very hard to understand why they wouldn't be treated like gold. You know, very pretty and successful girls in a very successful band with Butcher Babies. And, um, you know, but the thing she said was that every band was treated with respect and dignity with Mustaine. So, um, you know, he's, and his old age, dude, he's finding, uh, he's finding parts of Puckles of Love, you know, to give to everybody. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's opened up his house to people. Sure, you have to pay... Thousand to two thousand to four thousand dollars, whatever it's depending on what you want to do. See in his house, but yeah, he's he's saying open up a bit more. And yeah, yeah. People get older in the golden years and they think about what's really important and what's really important to be nice to people. Yeah, man. connecting the whole metal community. Um, yeah, I'd be lucky to give out a sandwich to you know, lucky old Timmy in the front row. But yeah, again, he does come to my house a lot, so you know, whatever. There's that. Um, good on him. Yeah, you know, it's uh, good to see that you know there's a big community. Like, pace is getting settled, and especially guys in the top being so humble. 
uh, it's good for the metal environment, you know. That's what you want to see, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, but, he's been around for a long time as well. So for him to give out that olive branch, is really good to see. Well, who else we want to see coming around for a long time is Steve Grimmett. Now, his right leg was amputated below the knee after the... Uh, and then, obviously, uh, the South American tour was cancelled. Now, what a way to cancel a tour, right? I mean, like, Justin Bieber had a cold, right? I can understand him giving out. But, like, dude, you can still sing with a bum knee, right? Like... <laughs> This is a cold man. Like Justin Bieber yeah. had phlegm, you know. Phlegm, like geez, you know that does, especially when you like have audio tune and that a machine sing for you. And it's even and seventeen even, backup dancers, oh, you terrible, know. Man, um, but give credit to this grim guy. Like on the day before he had his leg amputated, he was still had a concert and he still performed that concert sitting down because apparently infection oh, force probably so painful. Brutal. But then by overnight, unfortunately, the the infection spread to his knee and had to get it amputated. And apparently, he's still in good spirits after that. Look, look, you know, grinding greets to our friend over there, Steve Grimmett, you know, from the Grim Reaper. We we are thoughts and are with you, buddy. And uh, yeah, just for staying so super positive. A uh, lot of bad character, true metalhead. Love your work, buddy. Eh? Really, that's all we got to say about it. Yeah, it's great. Hopefully, all the best and he gets back out there as soon as he can. Now, we've got a super group on the horizon with uh, the former me- members of Malevolent Creation, Suffocation, and Pestilence. They've actually joined forces. So, this is actually a lineup. We're talking like uh, the guy, Geo, I guess, uh, Geraka from Guitar from Ashes of Ares. We're talking Pestilence, you know, technical death metal with. Uh, Tony Choi, Suffocation drummer, uh, Mike Smith as well. Um, this is like a, a, a death metal tech onslaught. Are you looking excited for it, Benny? Because you're not the biggest fan of death metal. But um, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, if you're a death metal, it's like going to a kid to a candy store and picking up blast beats and uh, yeah, technical time signatures. So it's pretty good. Well, yeah, if, if again, look. It's not a licorice, obviously. It's not licorice. Unless it's bread licorice. You've got something going on there, mate. Uh, again, supergroups, until they start releasing albums, you just don't know. Like Too many cooks spoil a broth, who takes control, all that same, same jazz, you know? Yeah, we saw that supergroup with the guys from uh, that uh, technical uh, metal band. Oh, this is going to bug the crap out of me now. Um, they had that uh, weird thing on stage, you know, like all the crazy members on stage smoke a lot of weed. Um, don't ask me how I know that. All right, I'm gonna have to right. come back to that. But uh, yeah, we've seen obviously we've seen in the past with, with uh, super groups, and uh, sometimes they do work, and sometimes they don't work, you know. So uh, well, hopefully with these guys, it does work. Uh, bands that you know off the top of your head that did work with super groups, that did work with super groups, Dragonlord. Oh my god, what a super group, hey? Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Steve Smith from Nevermore, guys from Testament, and whatever Gene else. Gene Hoagland. Yeah. Gene Hoagland from Death and. Eric Peterson. Oh, Eric Peterson. Like, that's what we're talking about. In fact, let's go to that story yes. right now. Because this is the story segway. of the week. Good segue. Super Metal Brothers story of the year now. This was this will be the Super Metal Brothers story of the year last yeah, year for sure. And the worst is lost in another article. Like, yeah. It was, it was tucked away in like the... A um, Trivium article. Yeah, like in the um, fine print of a contract. So let's talk about the Trivium article quickly first. So Paul Wandteek, I'm guessing, uh, says he was fired from Trivium but then it came out saying that uh, he was actually a session musician, so he was never f- fired because he was never really hired they paid for his services for an album and then they got rid of him for the guy we're talking about here Alex Bent now he is a member of Testament as well but what part, got part time member part time me- member but what got spilled because he took over Gene Hoagland because Gene Hoagland was doing it then he came in and now he's taking over the reins but what got spilled was the third album from Dom- from Dragon Lord Dominion is expected to arrive later this year I'm like wow we have been doing this for a year and we haven't even seen any inkling that Dragon Lord were going to do anything and now one of the best records of the time when it came out I think it was like 2008 or whatever it was like or mid mid early 2000s 
and we're going to see a follow-up from the two previous albums from Dragon Lord. They're a great band. And yeah. they're just like, oh, yeah, well, they're coming out with an album, I guess. I'm like, dude, front page, last page, and all the advertisements fill in the middle. That is... Oh, what a what a waste of uh, of a uh, great new revenue space, I reckon, Danny. Definitely. Now you you actually conflicted, Matt, because you already put in Moore's Prism S as your number one album this year. Yeah. They're hearing now your Dragon Lord as well. Like, geez, man, this, this is coming out with fifth of a coin stuff. Well, the weird thing was with the first Dragon Lord record, it was kind of this in between between death and symphonic black metal, right? But then the album after, which I didn't hear too much of, but it was a little bit more black metal inspired, right? So this album, who knows? At the end of the day, you're guaranteed great times like this is gonna be a great album i can feel it feel it in my bones it's taken like you know 20 years for it to happen so it has to be great right yes i agree with that. and it's good to have some bands who um want to give back and keep going and there's other bands like was it ne- uh, necrophages who kind of um have kind of gone away yeah well necrophages yeah let's talk about that there was a new story that came out saying that they got a new release but it really is just epitaph uh with a vinyl re-release now, the drummer's come out and Roman uh, Gullion has come out and said on the Facebook page that it's dead. The band Necrophages is dead. Everyone's in denial. But the other fans have actually never confirmed whether it's true or not what the drummer was saying was true. Yeah, the lead guitarist and singer. Yeah. So this is kind of like the ultimate tease. But it's really, I'm guessing just a record company or someone saying, look, we need to make a couple more bucks, but we don't actually have to do anything for it. So let's just like, you know, run it through Pro Tools again, bump up those levels and... Uh, there you go, I guess. You know, new and improved. Put it on vinyl. Get the old collectors into it. Um, I think we talked about this last week. So, like, what what a grab for cash, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I'm not sure if it's a contract requirement they needed to do it, or if the record share thought here's a chance for us, ten year anniversary, whatever. It's a chance to make some money from it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're right. They're they're a big band, and people always talk about it. I mean, I remember we listened to them on those albums. We we're like, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. As well, but unfortunately. For fa- yeah. for fans that collect vinyl, uh, they'd be greatly appreciative of this. But for other fans, it's basically like masturbating with sandpaper. It's going to be a rough experience, and you're never going to get over it. As in the other fans, why? Oh, because like emotionally, because <laughs> emotionally, oh. just like why did you stop for? It's kind of good, but then obviously it's sandpaper. And it's like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I punishing myself with necrophages? But you feel those good feelings from time to time. So yeah, masturbating. Sandpaper. All right, that's great, man. Thanks. We're gonna we're gonna finish it up now with a couple of stories. We got one with the Queensland venue. Now we are from Australia, so we know Queensland, right? We know it's sunny for about eleven months of the year, yeah, uh, and it's hot and humid. Yeah, but people are generally lovely there. What they wouldn't have been so happy about though was being denied entry to an anime affliction concert for what they were wearing. Mm-hmm. The venue has a very strict guideline when it comes to what people wear, and they don't allow thongs and they don't allow singlets. Mm-hmm. People coming in with singlets, denied entry to the door. The venue now has since retracted it and allowing people to come in and apologize for it. But did someone like fall off like, you know, those, those horror movies, they kind of like um, Final Destination style. Like maybe they're under the top roof and their singlet got caught on some girl's drink and then he fall off the, the barrier and then the kind of singlet wrapped around his head and snapped his neck, landed in the amplifier and killed a band. Like, do you think something like that happened for them not to have singlets going into a concert or do you think my story is too awesome to be true no i think you're pretty much on my mate but you, you've got to include the thongs into that situation so now we have to think the thongs what did the innocent thongs do oh no yes. thongs, thongs are just annoying that it's people trip over them and shit get rid of thongs like ah. you, 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 if you're gonna bring thongs to a concert you're not gonna make it through the front door with them because they're gonna fall off you look like you molest children so just no get them off oh, and then get to the toilet and you just get uh, you're gonna walk oh, through disgusting. pee uh, hopefully it's pee sometimes you don't even know man like it could be way worse um, but what we're talking about is the singlets. Were they right? They had a cost. They had like a, a a clear thing on their 
probably their website or whatever saying no singlets. They got there, they're wearing their singlets. Do you reckon they should have just gone in naked? Like that would have saved a lot more trouble. Did it work? Did they not have a sign saying no shirt, no service? Maybe it's safer or they're allowed to take the singlet off to come in. Yeah. They couldn't actually enter with the singlet. That's all what they should have done. They should have just pulled up and tied it around, make it like a little like a tube top. Surely the guys might look a bit weird. That's but right. Just call it a tube top. There you go. It's not single anymore. Yeah. So look, if we were there, guys, we would have helped you through the the, uh, the the mess. You know, they obviously weren't going to serve uh, guys with singlets, but they've changed it now. So wear your singlet proudly, guys. Go ahead and jump off that rafter and, and uh, kill a bunch of musicians. It's fine. But well, let's finish off with Dimmy Borgia right now. They are actually finished the choir recording for their first new album. Now we are very mixed about Dimmy Borgia, and we talked about this again previously on a few other shows because they release certain songs that make you question how amazing this band is and how like how you feel like honestly it's like converting to another religion or another sexuality they are that good at it right you know but then they'll have songs off and out which are obviously filler and they just don't make you feel things anymore you know it's kind of like you almost have like a, uh, that love of your life that you spent 10 years to chase you finally get her and then you hate her and it's like why am I doing this you know I should have gone for Bethany or Tiffany or Joe, but oh, I don't know about Tiffany, but the rest probably yeah. Yeah, Joe's cool. I like Joe, but we're talking about the album. Are you excited for Danny? The choir's done. Obviously, they're keeping with the symphonic thing. They've they love this big orchestration. Do you think it's going to help the songwriting at all? Oh yeah, I mean without a doubt, symphonic and choirs, uh, Demi Borger, they just go hand hand like oof, chalk chips and cookies. It's the same thing, man. So yeah, it should be great to see. Um, again, like you're right. You just don't know until the album comes out. But as long as you get like at least a couple of really killer songs from it, maybe you can forgive them for like, the fillers. But I wouldn't mind if they just went back to just like the basics and just get those riffs to ring true. You know, you got Golda from Old Man's Child, and he hasn't written a bad album with Old Man's Child. There might be different albums, but all you need him to do is just go behind the guitar and play. And you guys then need to put stuff to that stuff. You know, it's it's such an easy formula, and they just keep. That's why they keep screwing it up. So, you know. Putting stuff to stuff is an easy formula, Matt. It's, it is. It's, like, it's ask, one one. tell Arch Enemy to do the same thing, you know. It's not <laughs> a hard thing to do. You've got the best weapon in your arsenal. It's, it's like having a sniper rifle in World War II and you're going after Hitler and you can see him from your backyard in Australia and you have the opportunity to take him out, but you're like, no, it's too easy and I'm the best guy in the world, so I'm going to do it all by myself and I'm going to go Blitzkrieg on it. And I'm like, dude, you no, know, like, no. And that's what's happening with Model Mail these days. Wow, that's... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Demi Borger has an album coming out later this year. Yeah. Uh, that's another one to review. Could be a... Don't screw it hit. up, Demi. That's all I'm going to say. Could You've got Golda. If you, if you do a bad album, it's your own fault. We warned you. Listen to our show. Yeah, and if no, they might do a tour after that as well. I don't think they've come here for a while. Uh, well, Flesh got it coming down here. And they've done it twice now. And Demi came once for a sound wave, mm-hmm. you know, and they came on a 40-degree day oh, wearing... Viking attired robes and I'm talking like they had like the biggest quilted dead animal you've ever seen in your life just draped over every individual member I'm swear there would have been like bones underneath it because they would have sweated at least 700 kilos it was um, a joke you know how like Gold is like all white and stuff. Yeah. That, that wasn't because of the paint. Literally, the sun was that hot, it bleached their skin white. <laughs> it was so dehydrated. <laughs> it was just dying. And all the black on their eyes is literally like their eyelashes melting on their face. Like, ah, it's so hot. They're like marionettes. They had like the string hanging from the top and it's reanimating their corpses after the show. Clear, dude. <laughs> yeah, what happens is because of all the sweat and they're sitting in puddles on their things, oh. the electric equipment just keeps shocking them. So they're actually not playing instruments. They're just like having electric shocks on stage. Someone's like a cattle prod and just like yeah. putting it into the ground. Just play the track in the background, it'd be fine. All right. 
The editorial of this week was Suicide Silence producer. Now, he was responding to the latest album, no, the latest song, sorry, Doris, and the backlash it received. Now, I'm talking like this was downvoted more than Social Justice Warriors talking about, uh, you know, talking about like, you know, the depression of like people in our society why like because they go to the shops or something and they watch TV or something. You know, just something that's really crap. We don't agree with it and you, you know, you're full of shit. But... This was this was downvoted, right? And they went out. They went out for blood. The guys, the sorry, the producer from uh, the first was the drummer. First was the drummer yeah, was first it? First the drummer came out and like literally anyone who put anything on their Facebook page or maybe even YouTube page would just come out and attack, saying you don't know what you're talking about, blah blah blah, whatever. Et yeah, yeah. But I've got the actual uh, quote here from the. Uh, from Ross Robson, the producer. Now, he came out and said, we exist to irritate and inspire, or inspire. Everything I've read lets sick uh, me know we did our job. To be loved is a sellout. You're all being lit out by gasoline and it's glorious. The hatred is effing awesome. You are feeling something. Step back, look at your fire, see what you're in. Put the fire into your creative and do something completely amazing. I wish you could capture the feeling tonight on tape. Super mega inspired to rip you. All are amazing. Now, the thing is, Danny, I've got a couple. Of, I've got one here from Patrick Malone, which I'm going to put up in a second talk about it. So, can you set this up for us and maybe we can like kind of get an idea about what we're dealing with right now? Yeah, I think the biggest uh, problem or concern, however you want to describe it, with the uh, Suicide Silence fans is that they've decided to put clean vocals into their songs, I think for the first time. But they actually decided to do clean vocals on majority of the songs, not like a little bit of it to give a bit of diversity or break up tension or create tone whatever it's like i think 70 percent of the song is just clean vocals and i guess these guys no one's really prepared for it yeah it's a little bit like we're talking about with when you move so far away from the original source material how much is retainable to that band entity or do you decide then that maybe another project as a side a side project is better to encapsulate what you're feeling right now Again, we can't really go into much about Suicide Silence because we aren't too familiar with the original works. Mm. So let's talk about what Patrick Malone said on our Facebook wall and then we'll go into maybe having a quick talk about how our feelings are about it, okay? Yep. All right. Patrick says, I think it's fair reaction both ways. Oh, right in the middle, man. Here we go. Mm. Fence is quite comfortable at times. They're not always picketed. Sometimes they're quite long yeah. strippers, have poles. He, he, he's a big lad. That's going to be a strong fence fan to dude, sit on. The guy's an absolute champion and, and his opinion right now, let's have a listen to it. Uh, suicide signs are passionate about what they do and are proud of what they've done of course it would cut deep if someone talks down to it even if it's a scale of backlash that I have received but it was poor foresight by the band to not to expect it as well what band hasn't caught an earful from experimenting that is pretty much kind of a good way to kind of start this conversation you know um we have seen like metalheads are very passionate, you know, and they fall in love with, they build an identity around the songs they hear and they can relate to it and it becomes part of the persona because obviously with metalheads, they find themselves on the outside of society, you know, different ideas or even different feelings and emotions around certain things and it's kind of, you know, castrated them out or sometimes they just like really good music. Yeah. You know? Simple. So, what do you think is on? Do you think Patrick Malone is, let, let's, kind of, let's kind of put it on our side now. Let's fall onto one side or the other. Where do you find yourself? With the band, Danny? Or do you find yourself with the fans? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's kind of a constant question because of the fact the last couple of years you've had bands like Opeth and Devon Townsend just keep developing their sound and changing their sound. And, you know, you're our fans. Fans fall in love with the band because of the certain sound and genre. So um, I'm starting with the band first, aren't I? Okay, so the band's like, okay, we're maturing as people and we have... Want to just experience different things, you know. I've I'm the, developed my the same. I've developed as vocals, 
the guitarist might have different influences. I had influences Charlie wanted to put into a song. So he's like, all right, I just want my time now to show my skills as a musician and do different things. And look, everybody has the right to do that. I mean, it's, it's their band and it's their way they've created it. So yeah, sure, he has, he has the right to, um, they have the right to change their style if they want to. I believe they have the right to change their style, but I believe what they've done, the band, is completely ostracized almost any member that original uh, sorry uh, fan that fell in love with the band when they had the style and this is the thing that what they have to understand suicide science is what they're doing now is shortening their market right because one thing is to let the fans get out what they need to get out and you know like they can understand they're passionate metalheads as well I'd imagine so what they have to say about it is fine but what they're doing is actually making sure that those fans now aren't welcome here anymore now, we've changed. The weird thing is, though, with bands, Suicide Science needs to realize is that if they re- revisit this st- sound and they go back to all screaming and rah, 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 those old fans that, that uh, made them into the band that they were today aren't going to be there for them. Yeah. You know? And what they've done right now is just completely told them, we don't need you then. But it's like, what they do is like, you've needed them from day one. And now they've been there for you through the thick and thin they've bought, you know, the meet and greets with you, they've bought merch, they've done everything for you. Mm-hmm. They've just seen a style that you brought that no one else could bring and you've ripped it up from underneath them. Now, I'm not saying that, they sh- that this is something that they have to do. I don't think they should keep writing the same album, but this is the reality of fans, right? And what they've done now is just told them, good, go ahead and destroy yourselves over. We don't care. And it's like, well, dude, without them, you wouldn't have been where you are to be experimental, to have the budget, to have the money to do it. Mm. So they are in every right to write whatever album that they see fit. And I understand that. But the tactic they had to go out and sort their fans and make them sure that they feel even worse about it was incorrect. And I believe that uh, they hopefully have the foresight to realize what they've done and apologize to those fans. Because at the end of the day... Um, let them get out what they need to get out and they might come around and, and see for the music for what it is but all you're doing now is ensuring that they won't dance because you are being um, more of a perpetual child than they are and um, and I, really, I feel sorry for the fans I think that was a bit of a dog move from the band yeah, I mean, that's fair to say I mean this is good like, you're, like the, you're like the fan I'm like the band and we have our sides. So that's, that's good role playing I, I don't agree I agree the band can change their sound I don't want another Disturbed I mean I absolutely love Believe album from Disturbed yeah. but then all they did was that album three more times and I got to the the latest album with uh, Asylum and I was so irritated that I knew where the riff was going before they even got there yeah. that, it, that I never made it past the third track yeah so that's not the argument here. The argument is the way they went about yeah, sure. what they said. Yeah, look, I don't, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying I agree with Ben saying. I'm just saying like, this is like a kind of, we're talking like we're like husband and wife. And oh yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Another, like, nothing to defense of the band is one that we've only heard one song, so we don't know what the rest of the album's like. This could just be like one song of the album. They thought we'll push this one song because it's different to see how it feels. But the rest of our, mm. our album could be our standard stuff so mm. again it's people could be reacting uh, reacting early or maybe not so we have to see i think it comes out in two weeks or so so we'll find out then um the other thing as well is if the band's really starting to go away from that sound and they don't have the passion or the ability to write that style anymore so like, do they keep doing it and make half-assed albums so definitely now that's that the second part uh i agree with it doesn't it's not in the right for, for them not to write whatever album they want if they want to write a, a pop album and call it suicide science they're happy to it. So it's an open market, you know, and um, if they get criticized for it, it's the way it is. It's the way the internet is and we can do it. We can we can go online and freely harass who we want to, you know. Sure, it's a dick move and it takes no balls, but um, it's the way it is. Yeah. However, I do agree more with the first part you were saying and that's, I've kind of lost my track with that. 
But um, yeah, let the rage subside a bit, man. Yeah, it's kind of <sighs> like yeah, it's it's still for me. You got to be careful as a businessman, and I'd imagine what Suicide Times were doing was wearing their heart in their sleeve, and it's so hard for people to connect with that when you're like telling them to like, well, you know, if you don't like the album, you're the one at fault. You know, it's yeah, definitely yeah. it definitely was a very strange maneuver. And I don't think it's going to work out for him in the end. Yeah, I think they produce it. That that just reeks of sarcasm and passive aggressive. That replies, "Oh man, it's awesome. Getting you angry. That's great. That's what I was trying to. Yes, no, you didn't. Are you just trying to put a positive spin on your album? Yeah, you are the producer. You know, you don't want people to taint, link your name up with her. We're going to review album. the album, and I think what yeah. we might need to do is maybe listen to one of their best albums before it as well, so see where the fans kind of like really connect with and what mm. style that they found a niche in. And that's what reflects the best there as well. So this will be really interesting. And when it comes out, we're definitely going to review it. So we can have an actual in-deep discussion of like where it's kind of gone. But I think for Suicide Silence fans, we really want to hear what you have to say because you're the ones that are in the direct line of fire right here. And uh, it has a good, uh, yeah, good, good little talking point. Should we go back to the original question that fan, are bands allowed to attack their fans? Should are we- bands allowed to attack their fans? Well, they, what they did wasn't illegal. So they're allowed to do it. I wouldn't do it. I, I, I would, and I, I, the band I was in, I would tell them if that's how you feel about it, you can do it on your own, but you're not doing it under the band label of Suicide Silence. They're your yeah. own thoughts and feelings. And even if they did, I would expect to give them the star tribe that I just gave uh, you right now. So, um, <laughs> I mean, in the same time, you are attacking your fans. If they, if they don't like it, well, then you take that because that's, it's your that's, blood. That's your market. That's <laughs> your market. And you're like shortening it. Like, why not? Like, Metallica got that big because they weren't shitting on their fans yeah. every three minutes. That's you know, like, maybe that's Napster like, was probably one of the worst things they did, uh, but that was a corporation in itself, you know? That's like Coca-Cola. Like, some people like, Coca-Cola has bad taste. Coca-Cola, good. Don't drink it. See if I care. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Huh? I pee in every third bottle anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I care if you don't buy it. I'm still making $3 billion. Yeah. You, oh. never, you never see companies do that. So the, unfortunately, I know you're, you're passionate. You're like passionate about your music and stuff. You and really, you get defensive because you pour your heart and yeah. I get it. That that music is a reflection of who you are and they are rejecting you in a sense. But are they really? They just, they just took a certain style that they didn't like and for reasons that they have and... You're right. Why would no company would shoot themselves in the foot? Like they want to make money, they want to tour, they want to get more albums out. And why would you do it by telling people they suck? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's I guess like it's hard. Like you, you fall in love with this band, and they change, and then you find that they're like racist, and you're like, oh shit, and then it really hurts you. Like, hey, well, you never told me you're racist when we first got together. So <laughs> it could be, it could be part. Of it. Oh look, he said, yeah, he shouldn't have done what he did. Um, if you're right, mate, if you do, you do it on as a separate entity from the band, separate from the band, but then. The band has to come out and, and say, "Oh no, no, he was speaking on his heart." Or you misquoted him, like Floyd did with um Slayer. So, nah, yeah. it was misquote. Nah, you, it's all yeah, unfortunately, nah. I have this feeling that because he was a producer and he was so closely related to it, they would have all gotten together at one point and talked about it, and they would have fueled that conversation. Whether he had the only one to do it or not, wow. But that's my thoughts and feelings. Yes, they could they could do whatever they want. They're a band. It's not hurting anyone per se. You know, in fact, it's not hurting anyone. It's just this conversation. It's just music. It's its own entity. It lives on its own accord. But uh, I would never have done it with my band, and I wouldn't expect any band with the smart foresight to see what would actually would happen would ever do it. So yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so basically, the silence would be deafening for them, and it's pretty much suicide. So the name. Hey. It's fitting. Hey. It's ridiculous how life imitates art, and right now they are becoming the name of their band. Welcome to the sword that you've fallen on. I hope it was sharp enough so it didn't hurt on the way down. That's a 
Rev Product Limelight. Unfortunately, I don't know any of their like album titles. I could like <laughs> something be clever, more smarter. <laughs> super, super deep side, brother. No, we're not that smart. Yeah, yeah. We're smart enough to 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 give us uh, twenty seconds of of talk on that, or ten minutes of talk on that. Let's move on, Danny. Did you want anything to say about the album now? Do you want to say anything about uh, Suicide Silence? You done? Good CD stuff. review, Sepultura, Machine Messiah. This is the fourteenth studio album from the metal lords from brazil these guys are massive hailed by some as probably one of the most influential metal bands of the 90s the uh, guitarist andrew kisso who's been around for a quite long time hasn't he since nearly the start take away about two years i think yeah so pretty much when he was there for the cavalier brothers you know when just after the first album yeah. really and he's been there ever since even with the disappearance from the iconic duo now he's come and said about the album that the main inspiration about around sorry Machine Messiah is that the robustization of society nowadays, the concept of God Machine who created humanity, and now it seems that the cycle is closing itself, returning to the starting point. We came from machines, and we are going back to where we came from. The Messiah, when he returns, will be a robot or a humanoid or a biomechanical savior. There's the concept for the album. Terminator Two. That's what he's trying to say. Greatest movie of all time. Can this be the greatest CD of all time, or if not, this year? So far, yes, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a spoiler alert with two albums. Well, let's talk about it. We're going to talk about from the very, very top with the riffs. Now, this album, for me, is a thrash record. I really have the feeling, though, that if I had to be even more succinct with my answer, it'd be that new wave of American thrash or american metal where it's kind of like everyone's kind of getting the ripoffs from pantera you know look it's basically machine head to a point with some of these riffs as well even the singing but we'll go into that later but that's not a bad thing because it's very uh accessible as pantera found out with their incredibly successful thing before one uh, very angry fan who wanted to you know kill another member for not being in the band anymore making sure that the band would never ever reunite whatever you put an idiot um, yeah, what do you think of the riffs, Danny? Um, yeah, I was again. This was actually a very interesting choice for us to review because again, I wasn't the biggest thrash fan growing up, and we did Testament end of last year, and we're very surprised with that. It's such a great album, second on our top ten. Mm. And Sepultura again has kept the surprises coming. I've I enjoy this album, and I've yeah, and I've enjoyed the riffs. Yeah, the riffs I think are there to make sure that it just gives you that punch in the face variety. I think they're not overly technical. Uh, minus a few in- installments like the uh, the instrumental, for example, which really was a uh, riff factory, and it kind of gives it a bit jarring from the album because it really kind of brings forth maybe his um, John Petrucci slash Dream Theater Metropolis Part Two kind of thing. You know, it really kind of feels like that. Even some of those chordal passages are like very happy and subject out of the album but maybe they were putting it as a concept for it or maybe I think more so that I was showing a case in their ability so they didn't get bored yeah I think so I mean they had a Hammond organ in it so once you have a Hammond organ in it you, you touch my chords mate so amazing like if you can bring the 70s back into the 21st century and make it work which they did it was awesome but the wrists themselves are pretty hit, they hit you pretty pretty yeah. medium to fast all the time very punchy yep. uh, memorable and engaging. They're not offensive. They're not like death metal where it's like too much to bear. Mm. Very easy. Like, I want to say easy going, but definitely enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, you have some, like, you can say the money riffs and tracks two, three, and eight. Uh, most of the riffs are kind of really hitting you hard, really bad that well because of the drumming. The drumming is kind of what really makes things really yeah. hit you hard and stands out a bit like the guitar. I mean, 
It's funny because the riffs from the guitars, you're right, can be simplistic at times, but his solos are actually quite good solos. Yeah. I think they've written quite well and they fit to the songs very nicely. They're intricate, they're technical, and they're accurate as all hell. Like, it's it's almost like no wonder track, like those instrumental tracks exist because he probably has so much to showcase as a guitarist. But however, most of the time he's pulling back and just doing what each song is needed and yeah. uh because of it because of his musicianship and, and and that the wrists are tight they're punchy they're quite they're very like the clarity is is there you know a lot of people complain to me especially one of my dear friends who loves uh sepultura uh luke and he told me how hard it is to hear with the cavalier brothers when they were involved but this album's definitely the, the guitar is very clean very crisp and uh I think, yeah, if you're a Machine Head fan, there's just no reason why bands like this, like Sepultura, is, is not one thing to go into, you know? Um, yeah, it's decent. Yeah, you're right. I mean, mostly you're right, they have the thrashy uh, riffs on there, yeah. so the fast, punchy stuff. But even like track six and track 11, the uh, more stripped back melodic songs actually are very well written as well. They actually, their melodies are very strong, mm. very engaging. So they don't have to play fast for them to be like, a good song. They actually can be slow yet I'm engaging yeah very big tick you know this is definitely not like a thrash metal record from start to finish like a testament but it's very much in that influence and very much in a category of American new wave of heavy metal uh, for, for, for it's good thing it's very access- accessible and the riffs there are definitely engaging retaining some of that new metal vibe I think most of the time now it's much more guitar orientated with um, you know licks and feels and solos and stuff too yeah, now look, a uh, great, very enjoyable album to listen to based on the riffs. Vocals. We're going to move on to the singer. Now, the guy we're talking about is Derek Green. Uh, this, he's a funny guy. I kind of feel like he's exactly the reason why people make fun of him. They're like, I bet your singer sounds like, oh, rah, 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 rah. and then when you have to concede that, well, it does sound like one of the singers I listen to or a bunch of them. And he's definitely that kind of guy. He's not, he's not like death metal but he's like definitely pretty you know much a metal when you think of metal as vocalist he's the guy really yeah he's pretty he sounds like he belongs to an 80s thrash type band because mm. he's not that sounds like Rob Flynn really yeah at times yeah yeah but unfortunately this German here he's um he's just not that dynamic with his delivery no. he, he pretty much has that grouse or scream hard it kind of goes between the two but yeah. it's kind of the same intensity and tone I mean Okay, sometimes he does put a bit more intensity to some tracks, which does help out a bit. But apart from that, he doesn't have too many tools. Yeah, he sounds a little like he's got enough there to give the song what it needs, but no more. Um, he doesn't pull something out from inside of him to really give you a feeling of what's going on. So, and it fits the music kind of that as well, because I kind of feel like even with the wrist and the playing, it's very much like everything there just needs to be there and nothing more, nothing less. And the vocals fit that for very much the same reason. I think that's true. I think if you see how he phrases and how much thing he does, it's good. He yeah. doesn't oversee. He doesn't try to drown out people. So he's doing that quite well. So yeah. I agree that's good. Um, one of the other positive things in track eight, they do like the um, layered vocals in the chorus, which is like pure 80s thrash. So yeah. that, that was pretty cool to see. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, it's not offensive. So basically, if you're a metalhead, you're not going to be like, oh, this is like too mainstream for me. But if you're... If you're into it, it's like, yeah, it's just going to do the, it does its job. And I think it's pretty, and that for that very reason, it's very commercial appeal to yeah. it. Much like the riffs where they're, even though the kite is obviously at a very high standard, the riffs are very engaging for many metal fans. And I think that's a bit of a shame because 
the drum on this album is excellent and the, the guitar solo is fantastic and a fortunate singer he doesn't bring his trick no that, that's, that's true that's the problem yeah yeah like with the boarded where you're getting so many different yeah. styles and angles and deliveries articulation um, all that kind of stuff that uh, a very good death metal vocalist can bring thrash metal vocalist we talk about testament how he can sing those very high registers and really get a grunt out and a growl to carry it uh, yeah, so again, it's okay. It's not going to wow you. You're not going to be like the best vocals of all time. But at the same time, you're not going to be offended that he's killing it and he's going over the top mm. of everything either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're going to talk about Groove Down. You keep bringing it up. We keep talking about this drummer. Why is this drummer so good? Oh, because he is. <laughs> I mean, at times he, he does the blast beats. He does like the nice floor toms. He, he incorporates cymbals when he needs to. Oh, my he God. just um, like, oh, this double kicking is great. Like tracks two and track three when he throws those like machine gun like beats down well, some, of, some of those oh. cynic drum beats that he's got in his arsenal you know yeah. and he's like hitting those off beats and stuff yeah. it's ridiculous like every track is like a drummer's paradise and it's so those double kicks lock in so well it's none of this opeth thing where it starts and by the end of it it's in another time zone like you know it's just to quote my one of my favorite video games on the uh, mega drive uh, rock and roll racing um reflect drafts yeah drops. exactly um yeah, it's very strange. This drummer is very much on a plethora of his own ability. He's one of the best drummers I've heard in this in this genre. It's it's scary, um, and he utilizes his tricks just enough, but it's so much power and aggression. And he is the driving force of Sepultura because those beats. He's a percussionist. He's a drummer. They're they're phenomenal, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. You got the percussionist part in there true, which is like you hear in the instrumental song, also in the start of track three, where. They kind of, I know the floor tones, but he tries to sound what incorporate that like tribalist type sound that Sepultura had in the past. So yeah. he tries to keep it to the to the roots, if I dare say. Hey, hey, hey! Those bloody roots, right, oh, mate? Roots, you can't get rid of them. <laughs> so now, I mean, the drum is great. He definitely drives the groove. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is a hard. It is a thrash album, so having groove can be lost in just the sheer pace of things. Yeah, but he, he, these songs aren't... They've got those mid-tempo songs, like the one, I think it's track six, one, I think it is. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, a thrash metal album doesn't have to hit you a mile a minute. A, a song can hit you at three beats a minute, but if it's done correctly and, and the songwriting is all there, and I think it's... Yeah, I think the drum really is the reason why this band needs to be put... Is being still put to this very mm. day on a very high level, you know? Um, but all, I guess it's the whole mix, you know? It worked out really well, and uh, what a great time! What, just, yeah, if you're if you're a drummer or if you like just a good thrashing, good time, um, yeah, this is gonna get you. This is get you excited. Yeah, definitely. And like I said again, the slow songs they have good melodies, so they can give you a bit of that feel to songs where if need be. But majority of times, a thrash album, so you just um get driven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so look, I got to be honest. It's a bunch of ticks right now. It's it's, it's working for us. A diversity. We're talking about how the album as a whole changes it up, you know? Is it is it like an old school thrash album where it's pretty much like it does one thing really, really good and if you just don't like it, then there's not a track here that's going to save it for you. Sepultura, when it comes to Machine Messiah, Danny, diversity, I've got to be honest, digging it. Plenty of things on this album. Plenty of different ideas that get you excited. I'm talking like with the instrumental. Maybe it was a little bit out of, out of it for me, but there's also the, uh, certain tracks which use symphonic elements. Yeah. Certain tracks that use slower ideas. Certain tracks that had ripping guitar solos. Certain tracks that were, were very fast. Some were very slow. Uh, perfect. Good arrangements. Good song structures. Very well done in a very you know, tried and true genre, but it does enough to separate itself with some certain ideas, Danny. 
Yeah, definitely. You're right. You, you hear the different instruments. They're like the synth and the Hammond organ. Uh, each instrument, like the guitars and drums, then also change their tones and styles. So you have the tribal drumming to like the blast beats, just like the technical, like simple hits. The guitarist has like the nice tones and the solos, a bit of like flamenco work at times. So they do have all the instruments do change up a bit, which of course adds diversity, apart from the singer, which there is parts where he chants, but there's that last song where he has slow sings. So that's but apart from that, he doesn't really add too much. They did a disservice to themselves by their first track, which is called Machine yeah, Messiah. I'd get that in production, I reckon. But you know, I think that it's not like that the song doesn't belong there. I didn't mind it as a song, but it's not a track one no. because when I Am the Enemy comes in and it hits you, that should have been track one. Like maybe you could have had like a, a ten second into like intro, you know, with that uh, bit of nonsensical noise, you know, set up the whole ends of the world's coming, the machines are coming yeah. back. That would have made more sense. But this first track did nothing to get me excited for the album. Then I heard track two, and I'm like, um, guys, if you just pushed this back further in the album, it would have worked. It should have been the last track. Yeah, yeah it should have yeah. been the last track. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it, it nearly scared me because yeah, when it oh started, I was like, oh, no, this is not a progressive album. Seven Tree haven't turned into a progressive band. Because like, that, that was like last year's, like, Murder's Abrandis, like every band had to become progressive. So I was like, no, nah, I can't listen to progressive album. Not yet. Not nah. yet. Matthew. Can't do it to me. No, nah, we couldn't do it. Like if we even, we had the inkling that Devin Townsend was on this record anywhere, it would have been like uh, too soon, you know? Yeah. But it wasn't. It was literally like, don't let that first track fool you. Sure, it's there and might be sending up a tone, rah, 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 but it, it does a disservice to the way this album makes you feel. And it's like a very exciting, very engaging album. One you could sing along live very easily. Mm. It's very... Good. Yeah. I, it's just finishing off diversity. Like, another thing good for them as well, like you kind of touched on that, is that you can hear the um, influences from other genres of music. Like, you have your new metal sound, there's thrash in there, there's death metal in there, yeah. there's industrial sound. I mean, you have goth when they have the synthesize in there. So, you have all a bit of progressive in there as well. But they're there for flavor. They're not yeah. there to take away from the feel of the album or what they're trying to do. And I think that's what they're trying to do is keep the Sepultura into Sepultura. And I think it's pretty hard to take it out of it because you can hear some of those new metal kind of riffs coming through but they are pushing it into a more technical style with the, the guitarist you can just tell that he's pushing it into a more diverse very clean very crisp but uh it's is it still a separate album out i'm not too familiar unfortunately because i stopped listening to him a long time ago um for this very reason you know it was that new metal phase and i uh, wasn't really into that at the time but um, it definitely provides a great listen for people that are metalheads, and that's more important, I think. So, good album. Yeah, really dope so far. Can we put it to production, Danny? Yeah, so production, again, again, touching the, the first track, definitely shouldn't have been there. It just it didn't add to the song structure. And I think, yeah, it should have been pushed back a bit. So, that's, that's one thing I have with their production. Um, the good thing is that, you know, all the songs, again, like you suggest, man, well-written songs, each instrument has its time to breathe, and it's... They sounds quite good. They push things out when they need to, and yeah, all, all instruments have have done quite well in this album to get um their message across. Yeah, it's clean and it's clear. You know, there's no time where you're struggling to hear something going on. I think the mix and the balance on the album is great, but that is also a testament to the musicianship. To play very well and very tight means it would have been very very easy for this band to be very cohesive. Or maybe that the producer had loved Pro Tools enough to make him sound this good. I don't think so. I think it was nah. really just a well put together album, very clean. And um, yeah, uh, it, too clean, Danny. Do you think at times that the, it was a bit dry, the record? There was a bit too much? Nah, uh, no, I mean, maybe drum and guitar bass, but I think the, to be fair, the vocalist gives maybe that rawness to it that you, maybe you can say that because you really feel like he's really screaming, really straining to sing the song. So you really feel it. 
hear the intensity in there. So that could that could help offset maybe what you're hearing. What I do remember though, when I listened to a Sepultura track back in the day, is that though things were a bit rough and muddled and that, the energy there was really, really good. I do find that even though this is a thrash album, sometimes the energy is a little lost on me because very clean productions, very clear. It doesn't have a driving thought. It feels like everything's very much on the, the, the dots. So I think with Thrash, when you're pushing just above the beat, you start to get pulled in more with it. Uh, I think live, that will be remedied. And I think this band will transition very well live. Uh, it's just, that's what I have with uh, modern production when it comes to metal. Too overproduced. And I do find that it gets a little bit touching on it. Not as bad as albums like... We've touched in the past before. Um, Legion. What was that? Legion? Yeah. No, it's not a Legion territory. No, not by a long shot. But um, it was close-ish. You know, it was close getting in around that figure. But uh, again, just some, that's just nitpicking. It doesn't take away from the greatest of the album. Just something that affects me personally as a listener. And um, aside from that, very strong recommendation, Daddy. Yeah, definitely. And it's actually quite interesting. The last track, track 12, is only a minute 15-ish song. And it's actually an old folk song. They kind of put their own twist on. So... I'm not sure where this has come from. It might be interesting to hear the original. The Echoes and Mizu's Children Choral Group cover. Well, there you go. So, ah, so, uh, does it need to be there? Does it do anything for the album? Uh, this is the one thing I don't know if you care for metalheads. It's like, I know you want to do it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea. Uh, especially when you're having uh, such a heavy concept for an album and you leave it on such a nice note. Uh, it puts away from what you're, the kind of seriousness of what you're trying to get in the context. Uh, I do get these days people take themselves very seriously, but if you, if a serious album is what you want to write, mm. then you need to keep it serious. You can't undermine your message and the tone and the brutality of the album by putting something like that in. It doesn't even do they, any services. Even they call it like a bonus track? Is that so nah, simple? so it doesn't no. do it for me. Don't it, a bonus track for me is a bit of crap because it would always exist on the album regardless. It's not a bonus track. You decided for it to be there. If it was a bonus track, then maybe like put it on a bonus CD or maybe a downloadable content. So like go here and you can get another track for free actually, through yeah. iTunes. That's an interesting point. Yeah, that's fair it's point. It's not a bonus, bonus track. It's a track. You yeah, know? but yeah, actually, actually that could be a debate for future talks about these bonus track issues. Yeah, yeah but again, another nitpick. Great album. I, I have a feeling that if this was like last year's album, we would have put it in the top 10 because I really enjoyed it. And uh who knows? Maybe we'll get more replays before the end of the year. Only time will tell. Yeah, no, I agree. Great album. Definitely worth a buy. Pretty much nearly any metalhead. Yeah. yeah. Worth a check out, I think, for some of the more serious yeah. metalheads. But it is a good album and great musicians on it. So I think you'd be awfully cynical not to at least want to check it out unless you're like a purist black metalhead yeah. and you need to be like, like a lo-fi or power, or metal, fan, or power metal fan. You know, like any type of growling. Yeah, it yeah. has to be like dragons. And if there isn't a mention of one single rainbow on the record, then you're going to off yourself. Um, you know... Love Lost. Uh, again, but yeah, great album. Uh, and with that, Danny, I guess uh, we can put a nice little bow and tie around. It's good to listen to really good albums this year. I uh, We've had some experiences which I won't talk about. A little bit like, uh, you know, kindergarten for me with uh, good old Janet uh, Biggins. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about that the better, I guess. Yeah, he never let you play in the big swing. I understand. <laughs> why can he only go in a big swing, huh? Oh, what a joke. And I didn't have to wear pants as well. More of a joke. Oh, my God. Oh, lucky you didn't go to an affliction concert, Matt. They wouldn't let you in with that pants. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, with that, with the end of our show, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I guess thank you guys for listening tonight on us. We had a great time. We are getting some decent listens on our uh, SoundCloud, and we're really grateful for it, guys. You know, again, if you guys want us to cover a certain topic or something that a certain CD, you guys are more than welcome to throw it at us. And we'll probably review it. Like, we're gonna keep you guys happy as well. Keep you coming back for more and. Uh, we can't guarantee we'll like it, <laughs> yeah. but we can guarantee we'll at least talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so with that, uh, another fun episode, Danny. 
Indeed, man. I enjoy my time on your podcast. I'm yeah. enjoying my time on your podcast. Well, don't, <laughs> don't you know what to we, say? We should do it together and call it more often. Maybe call it the Super Metal Brothers. <laughs> nah, it's not us talking about. It's too cliche. <laughs> yeah, those guys are losers anyway. Bold losers. <laughs> All right, I've been Super Metal Brother Matt. And I've been Super Metal Brother Dan. Thank you guys very much for tuning in with us. We will catch you all next week.